Welcome to the Comic Shop Drop, the weekly podcast where the Shaver Brothers, myself, Toby Shaver, and my brother, Dave. What's up, Shavy D? How you doing today, Toby? Doing good. This is the weekly show where we're going to check in with the the books that we're excited about that are coming out in the coming week, as well as kind of shoot the shit about the news and pop culture and, you know, comic book culture and, and kind of just catch up on what's going on. You know it. I love it. So uh, everything, you know, kind of the, the big buzz this week as far as, uh, you know, movies and TV is WandaVision. So, you know, we've kind of been in this drought in the last several months of any kind of good um, new Marvel or DC content. I mean, Wonder Woman was a bit of a, a, a letdown for us. So I think everybody was really psyched up for WandaVision. And I would say that it's it's fair to say you and I agree that, you know, this kind of started off as a bit of a letdown as well. Oh, my goodness. They they had pretty much just about lost me after totally. after three. I mean, really, well, I right. I, well, I, you I, and I, I hadn't talked about it until like we had each. I think we had seen the first three. We had each seen the first three before we discussed it at all. We were both just like, okay, this is not not what we wanted. <laughs> no, and and even with the little glimpses of of kind of where they were going with it a little bit, um, it still just felt. Uh, yeah, I was not. I was not happy. I was. Uh, it felt very forced and felt very. Uh, yeah, I was not sure. Um, and, yeah, and uh, this is going to be spoiler heavy. So if you haven't uh, seen the first four episodes of of Wandavision, you know you're going to want to skip ahead a few minutes. But uh, yeah, so I I think kind of the consensus from when when we spoke about it before was just that, like, you know, I could see the whole vintage sitcom era stuff being maybe a one episode thing on a on a larger show but it felt like they were going in the direction that that was going to be the whole thing that each episode we were just going to be in a new era of sitcom that was basically going to be a cringy bad version of one of those sitcoms for about 20 minutes and then maybe a couple minutes of a little bit of a teaser of, you know, what we as what we know as the MCU, you know, at the end or sprinkled in a little bit. Right. It was uh, individually, you know, basically I, I didn't really care for any of the three individual episodes. Uh, and it was kind of like establishing this slow roll of, uh, you know, I was almost just assuming that it would, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, then it would go 80s, 90s, and aughts, and, you know, and and, and that's that's what we'd see. Um, so I was getting a little worried about that, and, um, and yeah, and then they just... Episode four happened, and it <laughs> well, just... it's funny because you and I had the conversation about it. We were both like, "Man, I mean, we're kind of just as completionists, you know. We're gonna have to kind of ride this thing out." But there wasn't a whole lot of enthusiasm going forward. But uh, yeah, no, episode, not at all. Episode and four before, kicked it up a notch. <laughs> and before we get into the specifics, I will say, you know, as much as. You know, now I all of a sudden I have high expectations for the rest of the season. Um, 
it it doesn't I I don't necessarily think it forgives the 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 slowness of the first three episodes. Like at this point, you know, even with the how just blown away I am with episode four, if you put all all four together, let's say, and made it a two hour movie, I don't know that I would even make it to the end of the movie if if that's what I was getting through the first three quarters of it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's still, I, I really, I do want to make a comment specifically on how, you know, poorly I thought they got out of the gate before I, you know, just obviously I'm about to heap a lot of praise on, you know, what, what they've uh, and done I, since. Right, so. and I think we, we kind of jumped ahead a little bit maybe because you and I had previously discussed this, you know, kind of off the mics. But yeah, I mean, it's, right, right, it's right. not like, I mean, it's definitely a case of them understanding their audience and knowing that, you know, these guys are kind of in and pot committed on this already. And we can maybe slow play it a little bit like that, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. Like even though episode four has started to turn a little bit, you know, I, I don't think it forgives that. And I mean, I'll go further as to say they probably, lost a lot of audience already so it's going to be kind of a shame you know if it ends up being super awesome because i guarantee there's people who gave up on it after probably even after one episode well certainly because all of the things that this fourth episode you know how it ties back into the previous three uh you know you could have had one episode that was very you know uh, heavy with the kind of like uh, foreshadowing that the first three were, and then, you know, and then do, then do the same thing you did that you did in four in like say the second half of two, moving into episode three or something like that. Again, you know, it's really more, um, you know, now that I'm seeing where they're going, I, I'm not as, you know, I don't want to be quite as critical on their concept. Just again, so much as maybe the execution of, of, you know, slow rolling it as much as they did. It just really was right. Like, it, like you said, it, they it probably did little, genuinely lose a you few felt people a little, You there. felt like your love for the MCU was a little taken for granted and a little abused almost, you know, like you got to get, get, give us the, the juicy stuff sooner, but let's you made a good point. <laughs> you, you, de- you definitely made a good point about uh, knowing your audience because there definitely was, uh, you know, the people that know and love Marvel, uh, you know, were certainly, you know, again, if it was anybody, if it was anybody else, I would have, I would have almost definitely been out after two, if not for sure, three. Well, uh, the good thing is they they knew and- us well enough to know that they could blue ball us like that. You're right. But right. then they also knew, you know, come episode four, exactly how to make up for that. So oh, you my know, word. Ba- basically how episode three ended, you know, we had seen like little bits of like reality coming into Wanda's world, you know, in the first three episodes. But then at the end of three was when the, you know, the Monica Rambo character, you know, who's at this point, we're just seen as a neighbor. Um, you know, she actually really kind of engages Wanda and says the thing about, you know, her twin brother and Ultron and all of that. And, you know, Wanda kind of flips out and, 
you know, in that episode, we just see her basically, you know, get ejected from the, from the illusion kind of thing. Um, but then when episode four kicks out, we get, um, rewarded, I guess, for our patients by seeing, you know, this hospital scene that's when the snap is reversed or the blip, you know, as they're calling it. And what a great, I mean, fan service to just, you know, bring us right back to, you know, kind of this world that, that we've loved just to see, because I mean, that's been the, the biggest question I think ever since, um, end game is just, you know, what was this like? And they addressed it a little bit in, in Spider-Man, but you know, what would that have been like when everybody's coming back after the snap and everything? So we see this overwhelmed hospital and just, it's just amazingly done scene. I loved it. Oh, so good. Yes, I mean, it was, I could just, it chokes me up a little bit. I mean, I, I, I was so, you know, not done in an overblown way for it to, to just instantly kick into the excitement factor of, like you said, just, you know, suddenly she's back and you're in this hospital and things are going on. But then the realization with the mother I mean, in in a what thirty second part of that scene, the interaction between her and the doctor was. Right. I mean, I felt what depths I got from that. You know, that it was really I was impressed. Those those two actresses, uh, it just instantly, you know, just put me on point for this episode. Like it just so immediately invested me in it you know it makes a case for you know i would be in for like a short you know disney plus like anthology series you know where each episode is you know somebody's story of like where their life was when they blipped out and then the story of what happened when they blipped back in you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a there's yep. any number of stories that could be told in that world, and you know just how they handled that scene was just super super cool. To, and it immediately pulls us, the viewer, right back into that that universe again. You know, right? And I think it. it uh, you're absolutely right. And I what I also like is it. And I'm not really sure if if other things have done it, but I, I, I would feel that this kind of definitively the person that blips is someone that experiences basically I'm here one second, I'm back the next, you know, there's no, you know, she, she just said, you know, whatever she said, I was just doing this or whatever. Like, it's not like they went somewhere or they, you know, um, or there was even a sense of a loss of time or anything to that effect. You know what I'm saying? It was like, right, you know, right. it was five years gone in in the span of one second in those individuals' lifetimes. I mean, they did, you know, Endgame, in a, in a really, you know, a poignant setup um, for, for basically, you know, a, an action movie, um, you know, to just show the emotional place where all of the Avengers were in, you know, when it was time to, you know, five years later to, to, to move forward and, and, you know, and try to, try to, try to change things. Um, So, you know, that's the people that were left behind. Whereas, uh, you know, this, uh, 
is maybe like you said, the first step in, or, you know, kind of that experience, the experience of being gone. And then all of a sudden, you know, being here five years later. And like you said, that would be a really interesting, you know, you could do that in little, you know, well, because if you think about it, it's that's like just two completely different, you know, emotional kind of tragedies and traumas, you know, losing someone, but then living with that, you know, for five years and them coming back as opposed to, you know, just being gone in what to you is a blink of an eye, but having all that time be lost, you know, that's why I always loved one of my favorite scenes in Endgame, you know, with all the great, you know, battle scenes and everything. One of my favorite scenes in Endgame is that little moment between Paul Rudd and his daughter, you know, just like just owning that, like absorbing that moment, and like realizing, you know, that he lost five years of her life, you know, just in an instant. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, 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 that, yeah, I mean, Paul Rudd, man, what a great actor. I just love that guy. Oh, uh, he's, a, he's an American um, treasure. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, that's what was so great about this episode is that it really, you know, uh, you know, for a, for a streaming show, it, it registered on that kind of movie depth of feel as far yeah. as like, you know, just putting yourself in that set, in that, you know, less even mental than emotional situation of, you know, one second, you're kind of probably just for the first time have a like, you let the air out, you know, you just feel relief for for one second that hey, mom's doing better. She's in remission. You know, we're going to check her out today. Boom, blip. Five years later. Where's mom? Uh, well, yeah. She's dead. Oh my God. You know, like I could get like, you know, obviously because of our mom, you know, but I, I could, I mean, again, for a show that's really, you know, kind of a, kind of a crazy mix of different things. It was, you know, it, it punched me in the gut. I was really, um, yeah. I, I liked it. I was impressed. Yeah. So it was awesome. Um, So, yeah. So the one thing, uh, go, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it, it, it was just really, it was very cool to see them pay off. You know, they did a great job of stringing everything together, you know, showing like what was happening behind the scenes. Like anytime we saw a little bit of the, you know, real world creep in, you know, it paid off in this episode. They showed that happening with the, uh, you know, I love uh, um, uh, Agent Wu. <laughs> oh my god the, he's the, great. Uh, he was one of my favorite from the ant-man one so it was cool to see him back in this it, it was so that's what made it for me so much this episode was uh i mean monica rambo is a i i is quickly becoming a a, a character i really like and am, am interested in in investing in um but this episode, my word, like as much as I was kind of disappointed in the first three episodes with like, I'm a big Katherine Hahn fan and I really didn't like her. I really didn't like how they're having her portray that character in the first three episodes. And, you know, we'll see where it goes. But uh, quite the opposite. Like, again, she's one I normally like and was a little disappointed. 
uh, Kat Demings is one that, you know, I just so loved her in 40-Year-Old Virgin, and then she's kind of like, unfortunately, I've always felt like she's been the same character since, over and yeah. over again. But in yeah. this one, man, she just hit all the right notes, and those, like, the interactions with Wu... I mean, that one part where they're, like, looking at the cameras and, you know, he's, like, talking about, uh, you know, uh, he mistakes what she's saying about, oh, oh, offering some chips. You know, do you want any? And she thinks he's, he thinks she's talking <laughs> yes. about children. And he's like, yeah, yeah I've always wanted a, a little Jimmy a little Jimmy Woo, you know, yeah. I have a little FBI match and stuff. <laughs> oh, just so good. I mean, oh, so. He's great. he's great. Oh, they, uh, they, they really, they brought the. Uh, comedic level of this one to just the whole you know I, oh, totally, totally. they brought their and idea. i mean and granted like the whole thing and i guess it's a credit to to you know the writing and and in this case some of the performances as well but like here's a show that for three episodes you know you and i both were like barely you know on board with it all and you know they somehow have started to turn it around despite what is a super like ridiculous premise you know that like she figured out to get a you know old tv set and pick up this transmission and you know somehow basically they're able to view you know this illusion that you know now we're starting to see wanda has has created and is kind of in control of um it's absurd. You know, I mean, it's arguably one of the most absurd things we've seen in the, you know, MCU so far, but you know, somehow I'm on board because it's starting to feel like, you know, a Marvel movie again. Right. Right. Yes. There's a, there's definitely a lot to do with tone, which is, I think what you're speaking of as far as just how that they have that ability to have, you know, an exciting and fun enough storyline but that goes along with some genuine comedy beats. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's always a plus. But the, uh, yeah, I mean, we, I think we talked about this off mic too, but I, I think, you know, I want to grant them a little bit of license or a little bit of free space because, you know, obviously with the, with the, everything that happened in the last year, you know, everything got shuffled around quite a bit. And because this was supposed to be the movie that is kind of setting up this whole idea that reality is fluid and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, leading into Dr. Strange and really we should have already seen like, you know, who's, who knows what we're going to see in like black widow and, you know, Falcon and the winter soldier. So, you know, I, I, I kind of want to give them a little bit of, uh, you know, permission to have started this series a little bit slow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, but again, like you said, I really think uh, that was a good point. It, it, that it, this episode turned a corner where it, it feels like it's part of the MCU again. You know, and yeah. maybe maybe they were so heavy handed in those first episodes with trying to establish this weirdness and this not, you know, maybe you were supposed to almost, you know, purposely not like it to a degree, but at the same time, you know, you ultimately still have to be entertained. And I just, you know, it was, it was not, uh, it just didn't like 
feel MCU. And again, now it's you know again yeah. you got you got uh, you yeah got, essentially you got a lot the of first stuff happening. you know with the exception of the little you know tiny little uh, you know cuts to reality, I guess you could call it. Um, those first three episodes, you know, we kind of watched them, you know, basically how, you know, Agent Jimmy Woo and, and uh, you know, Kat Dennings had to watch them. You know, right. we basically watched them from the perspective that they they were seeing them and, you know, which I thought was funny, too, where they were kind of starting to get into it like it was a real TV show and everything. But, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I love the little connections that, to bring us back, like the little, you know, kind of when she glances back on the one point and, you know, Vision's face is all blown out with the stone taken out and everything, you know, little right. stuff like that. I, I love the little, you know, little things for the fans, little things to draw us back in like that. Well, and, and that's just it, you know, because now once Man- Monica Rambo broke the fourth wall or whatever you want to call it for this series, but basically where she intruded reality into uh, the Scarlet Witch's fantasy, you know, now things, you know, now all bets are off. So, right. you know, that's why, you know, the timing of, you know, you can establish the, you know, the 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 camp set up on the perimeter, and, you know, and all right. that stuff. So, so yeah. It's, well, also, it's, it'd be interesting to see, like, I wasn't expecting them to have, like, they figured out who each of those people really were. You know, I kind of assumed that those were all going to be just kind of constructs that she, you know, made from scratch or whatever. But like all of those people that are in her delusion, you know, they figured out, you know, what their actual names are and stuff. So that'll be interesting to see, you know, what comes out of that. Yeah, because now, like in retrospect, you realize that, uh, you know, when they were talking about Rambo not having a home, and they were kind of weirded out at the uh, um, at the wall. Now it kind of takes on a different sense because originally, you know, when he when the neighbor missed the bush and like went into the to the wall, yeah, it was kind of like like you said, it's like is he a a, a fabricated thing that's glitching? Um, but now it's almost like maybe that was just pure nervousness, and because they're somehow expected to keep up appearances because again um you know marvel what one of the things marvel so good the the mcu in particular is so good at is a second misdirection like now i feel very you know a lot more confident that i kind of know where they're going and maybe you know i don't know if this is my exact theory yet i haven't you know postulated it yet but the you know, let's say, you know, I'm more convinced that, you know, it's it's Wanda creating this this reality. But at the same time, you know, how much of it is maybe somebody, you know, like a, 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 a you know, a Hydra like gaming that you know manipulating that to some degree it doesn't have to be that she's you know locked in some building somewhere you know like with ivs in her arm and they're you know putting her into that state that way 
you know, maybe they're or just like Superman little... when he had the alien thing on his face in the fortress. Right, well, dude. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Whereas this one, I think that was called the Black Delilah or something like that. Uh, yeah, but, something like that. Yeah. Um, but the uh, uh, um, but yeah. Anyway, it's uh, I have I have some expectation that there there will there will be one more hard turn in the next episode. And then, well, I also think we're set up possibly for a, a turn from the boss man sword, sword director guy. Mm-hmm. Just based, just based on the fact that it sounds like that's, you know, a position that, you know, had there not been a blip, you know, would have been Monica's job. And the fact that, you know, I, I'm suspect, suspicious about you know whether or not like she's actually grounded you know because of orders left behind by her mother or if you know that's actual bullshit as well or whatever but you know i feel i feel like just based on the history of movie tropes we have reason to be suspicious of him right and it would be a nice twist to have him like say be a, a you know somehow affiliated with hydra they smoke him out, get rid of him, and then maybe Monica Rambo is able to slide into where she maybe should have been the whole time, or something like that. But uh, right, but yeah, it's uh, it's got it, again, it's it's all of a sudden got a lot of uh, different potential storylines and directions. I also thought it was go. strange. I don't know if you noticed. It, it seems strange to me, like at the very end, um, you know, when like Vision comes back. And is like, you know, where did Monica go or whatever? And, you know, Wanda's like, she left or whatever. And she's a little weirded out or, or whatever. When she leaves, he kind of has a look like. Yeah. I don't know. There's that. almost a look like he's somehow, you know, aware of what's going on. More well, so than what we would have thought before. Right. Like, almost like I got this sense of like somehow he, you know, because ultimately my gut is telling me he's you know vision is dead so therefore he's not you know this is just a a something she has created but right. the look that i got the look at the end of the episode you know at least to me registered as a almost like he's he's the real vision caught in this thing that he has to play out that he's not really wanting to be a part of like knows that it's a miss and but but can't do anything about it you know so again that that that's uh that's exciting to me though because then that that gives their it leaves it open-ended enough where you know it's not uh you know so formulitic that you have uh you know well, right. We can't Throwing invest it. We can't invest whoever this vision character is. We can't really invest in him if we think he's just a, you know, puppet in in some you know illusion or whatever, you know. But if right. he's somehow involved, you know, at least we can, you know, care about him on some level. But yeah, I'm excited. I think it's it's taken a good turn. So did we figure out that you said you thought it was only six episodes? Is that what uh, we're looking at? I don't really. I, unfortunately, I didn't. I meant to to double check on that to see if there there was. Uh, that's what I had heard some weeks ago before it was even you know before the the first one even dropped. So, uh, 
I, I'm still under that impression, but I, to be honest with you, I don't know for sure. Yeah, I'm looking right here. Let's see. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it would make sense as far as the pacing of it. Um, uh, but Ooh, the, nine episodes. Really? Yeah. Well, see, now that gives me. Um, I like again, that. again, I still. You know, I still think they were very slow out of the gate, but you know, even if you consider much issue with the first three that's still only right. a third now versus yeah, the, half. the more the more total episodes the less <laughs> of an offense it becomes you know? correct correct <laughs> the less correct. percentage of the time was wasted right just know? how how just I'm how slow did Dick they Van slow it. <laughs> right right exactly yeah. you know and again and then the other thing too in fairness is if they repeatedly go back to the well like as far as you know, uh, do things that relate to those first three episodes, then, you know, is it, uh, you know, did they need to be more detailed in those first three episodes? But my, my gut tells me that there's just so much fodder for sitcoms in the 80s and 90s that, like, you can't really linger anymore where you're at you know this is now right. two episodes and, and, in the 70s and so. we're gonna get more i mean i'm sure that we're gonna get pro- i mean hopefully it'll be a nice mix of both now but you know i've i've definitely seen you know some stuff in in images and stuff that you know we're getting more of the sitcom stuff so it is going to move forward right. in time i okay. think but ho- hopefully it'll be more balanced and we'll get more of this uh good marvel juju continuing well, Right. Well, and there's because because now you have so much more potential as far as uh, you know. I like that the one guy was yeah, Agent Jimmy Woo. You know, well for for sure. I mean, he's made my series already. Like him and Monica Rambo are. Uh, it, it has truly now. I'm I am invested fully now. Yeah, in the, yeah. In the series. Um, but no, one of the things that I really liked is the. When the one guy went in, and then the the uh, his hazmat suit turned to a, like a beekeeping suit, and then there was actually physically bees around him, and the end of his rope turned into like the end of like an old uh, uh, like jump, jump rope. rope. That, yeah, yeah, from like school. I, I mean, I John Glenn colors. Even it was funny. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've, I've used that that exact style of jump rope, but the. Uh, um, the fact that he was able to access that reality and then exit, um, you know, but there was something that interact, you know, that that affected him in that in that access. You know what I mean? So like now in these next episodes, you know, you can send people like obviously the way uh, Rambo got expelled was kind of uh, you know intense. But like, yeah. there's no reason you can't maybe send her back in, you know, accessing through the tunnels or, or you know, there's there's so much more potential opened up and uh, it's exciting. It's, uh, you know, and again, like we talked about off mic, you know, MCU, the proof has been in the pudding. They have they have produced. So there's no reason to doubt them uh, at this point. You know, so yeah, uh, there. It seems that they are really, uh, you know, they're they're starting to build some steam. So I'm I'm really jacked. 
All right. Well, I'm sure we'll be uh, catching up on this on in future episodes of you know the comic shop drop as well. Um, had a couple other news things. We we'll kind of cut it short since we went kind of long on Wandavision, but I did have. Uh, uh, one thing I saw in the news, I think just today, that they officially uh, are saying March 18th for Snyder Cut on HBO Max. Oh, nice. Yeah. And now now we're looking at just a four-hour movie instead of, uh, you know, four, four installments. Okay. I would prefer that and then just let you the viewers stop it at their discretion. You know, there's a yeah. there's there's Just a ne- watch it, suck it up and watch a four hour movie. That's what I say. Right, it's more of a, a an epic. Yeah, you know, these are characters like we've often talked about. They're modern. You know, it's modern mythology, and so yeah. it, it, it should be an odyssey. You know, not only yes. what you're watching, but maybe the effort to watch it itself. But the well, uh, and if it's done right, it you know, time is relative. If it's done right. You know, it yes. does not feel like I. I rewatched for the first time in in many years a couple nights ago, uh, Terminator Two, and it's a good two and a half hours, I think, maybe a little less than that, but it feels like an hour and twenty minute movie. It whips by. It's so perfectly made. Yep. Yeah, that's just it. Exactly. You. It's 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 what you put out there. It's it's the art itself. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see, you know, the, the, this particular take again. I couldn't disagree more with his take on Batman as a character. Yeah. Um, so it's, there's always going to be a little, little of that, that taint, but he, yeah. uh, but he so nailed the concept of the man of steel and, uh, you know, the idea of, of, how these different characters are going to interact with Superman is is absolutely going to bring me to this to this game and uh the idea of the the you know the uh of dark side being a part of it you know that's you know that's the scale that DC has to be i mean you know as much as i love you know Marvel and as much as you know growing up you know especially in the teen years you know Marvel has a certain way that they developed their characters over the years where you know there's a relatability even in some of their biggest heroes just because of how much they've dealt with the damage that you know life can do to you what interpersonal relationships what losses what addictions what you know that marvel was so good at grounding their stories in that that when they became these movies that you know the mcu you know that it lent to these this awesome ability to go from you know the comedies of an ant-man the you know action comedy of a of a Guardians of the Galaxy, the the amazing, you know, uh, one of my favorites, the uh, the first Captain America, you know, that kind of wartime thing, the uh, you know, the tech and comedy swagger of uh, Iron Man. I go on and on, but the point is, is that you broke it up into all these different movies with their own personalities, and then put them together, and it worked 
in this great organic and, and fluid sort of way. Whereas DC, what's always been amazing about them is they are our modern pantheon of, of you know, Greek gods, Egyptian gods, you know, whatever, whatever things of, you know, mighty men and women of old that you want to compare them to. But they operate on a on a level that just isn't the same. You know, a you know, a man of steel, the you know, the last son of Krypton, the Amazonian goddess of, you know, Wonder Woman, the, you know, uh, uh, even a cyborg, you know, a new guy to the game who is basically at any given moment can pipe into every, you know, internet source and, you know, thing on earth, uh, the fastest man alive, the, you know, Green Lantern, you know, any of these potential characters, they're cosmic. They're, they're global at a minimum, but they're almost cosmic. Um, so, you know, it's just a different, I mean, as much as obviously Steppenwolf was a, was an otherworldly character, it just didn't, you know, he never is going to have the gravitas of a of a dark side so oh absolutely well so the, and, and the whole the whole snyder cut in the first place i mean that's one of the biggest things for me i mean the bottom line is if if this guy made a movie where he put dark side on the big screen i want to see that movie you know even if if 70 percent of it is is basically the same story that we saw last time around i'm fine with that you know i want to see what he intended to be you know the, the the big bad in his movie and you know i mean there's a vast vast difference between steppenwolf and dark side as far as that goes oh for sure and and the thing is is again you know i'm just so anxious for the scope of this thing whereas you know i have expectation of some successes and some failures with the individual characters within i mean i i think he again i really am impressed and i trust and am am, am impressed with his take on superman wonder woman and aquaman i think he absolutely and cyborg actually i think he did, did a relatively job with the relatively good job with the um the thought process of the father son relationship that's always you know been a part of it and and again part of why the comments i'm making are based on some of the the trailer cuts that i've seen where it looks like you know a lot of these storylines are being more expanded which i'm excited for um i'm hopeful for the flash part of it because i think maybe with further story you can be, you can fl- flesh him out a little bit, but I just think the it, the miscasting of that character is so gratuitous that I don't know that I can ever get past it. He that that actor is not Barry Allen in yeah, in any uh, sense of the word. In any definitely the worst casting in, in ever for sure ever in that right in that in that. Uh, whatever you want to call it, the Snyderverse. Um, now, the thing with Batman that I have issue with is, again, I, I, quite, the, quite the opposite with him. Whereas, 
I think the casting is just spot on. Um, I think, unfortunately, you know, and that's coming from a guy who really does not care for that actor. I won't even speak his name. But the... uh, uh, but it could work. The problem is, is that he made Batman a killer. And that's the one thing Batman, you know, he won't cross that line. And some of the interviews I've seen with him, with Snyder talking about it, you know, he's very flippant about it. And it's just, it, it, it really turns me off. So the fact that the only character that's a human being and has to be our lends into this Justice League. He's already from the get completely missed the mark with Batman v Superman as far as the development of you know Bruce Wayne, Batman, his morality, you know where where it goes. You know, so I, I'm very you know there's things that I'm again very excited about. I, I would love to see his Specific take on Aquaman, Wonder Woman, all this stuff leading up to Superman. Superman's reaction to all of a sudden coming back. You know, there's, you know, before we even get to Darkseid. So there's there's a lot of stuff that this Snyder Cut, I think, is going to be great for. Um, but there's a little bit of me that is very... Uh, it goes beyond anxious, like just really downright not looking forward to revisiting some of the aspects of Batman and Flash that he he got so miserably wrong. Yeah, yeah. So, well, but March eighteenth. Wow, that's a, that it's right around the corner, though. Yeah, it's a good time to have HBO Max because you know we're going to be getting you know pretty much a a new movie release you know, the same day as, as the theater releases, you know, every month or so, or every few weeks. And right. you know, then we get the Snyder cut and, um, you know, they're starting to drop. I know we, we discussed, um, you know, before, because now the, the DC universe app has now switched over to DC universe infinite and his comic books only, um, still great. I mean, I, I still love it as a, from day one, you know, I kind of was skeptical about how long that app would last. And I've always said, you know, I'd, I'd keep it just as a comic app. Um, but it looks like they are getting a lot of stuff over to HBO Max now. The Justice League Unlimited is going up, I think, in the next couple of weeks. And, um, you know, slowly but surely they're getting, you know, most of the content that we had on the DC universe app is going to be over on HBO max. Yes, I would love, I, I think that you make a great point in that, you know, it's something that's certainly worth it for just the comics. Um, it would have been wonderful if they could have worked it out to have some of the content on both, but I know that they're doing some of the, the moving around because they want to drive people specifically to HBO max. But Again, I belong to both services, uh, you know, have for, well, with DCU for a couple years now. Um, I like it. I I mean, the only, as a matter of fact, the transition hasn't even really been too, you know, it's, I won't call it flawless or, or, 
you know, perfectly smooth, but it's, it's, it's certainly gone relatively smooth. And, uh, the only thing I really am missing, I believe I commented to you earlier was I didn't, I, I, I missed the boat and I didn't, uh, jump on swamp thing. Yeah. yeah. And right now it doesn't exist on either platform. And like you said, obviously with them, you know, with justice league animated, you know, coming uh, soon to HBO Max. It looks like everything, whether it was television or uh, movies that resided on DCU, will eventually find its way to uh, HBO Max. So I'm not, uh, you know, I, I don't feel yeah. like I've missed it forever type of thing. Uh, but it's, uh, well, I think right now too, you can watch it on the CW app because they re-released all of season one. Oh, on right. CW, you know what? CW app. The only thing is I'm not a hundred percent sure if like, if you went on it right now, if all of the episodes would be, because sometimes on that CW app, it just kind of does like the last three or four that aired, which could have been, right. you know, the end of the season or the middle or whatever. So. Yeah, there um, is. But some, you might want to check it out at least. Yeah, there is some level of. I, I believe I actually. I'm glad you reminded me of that. I, I do think I peaked and I saw that there was some access to that, perhaps through CW. It's 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 one of those things, kind of like with DC, with uh, Disney Plus. You know, I I wish Disney Plus would have done something. You know, I know that they had recently purchased Hulu right before. Uh, you know, they kind of went live with Disney Plus and I mean, shoot, yeah. they, they got all that 20th Century Fox content like literally weeks before, I believe. Yeah. But um, but, you know, I I I don't have a Hulu account. I'm just Disney Plus specifically. Um, and I wish that they were doing more of like what they're doing. They're about to launch in uh, the UK and Europe, which is that Star Plus uh, because it would just be so much nicer to have kind of one-stop shopping. And that's um, another reason why I'm not really so much concerned about, uh, you know, them kind of restructuring between DCU and uh, HBO Max is basically HBO Max is now, you know, the location for movies and television. And then I can get my comics over at the other one. You know, whereas uh, with the Disney Plus stuff, uh, you know, obviously Marvel Comics is separate from them. But, you know, they, you know, and I comment on Disney because Marvel is, is within the Disney umbrella. Um, but, you know, right now with them having like kind of ESPN, who, you know, different things like that, it just, you know, I always love variety. I'm actually kind of anti-consolidation, but right now it kind of, it seems like with how well I think they've handled things with uh, HBO Max and, and, and Disney, or excuse me, in DC, I'm just hoping that uh, perhaps Disney and Marvel and, you know, all those kind of brands maybe, uh, streamline a little bit over on their side of things so yeah I, i'm pumped for everything coming out so I, I now the only problem now i just have too many things i'm subscribed to so i just have to pick and choose you know on a monthly basis what i can actually subscribe to but you know it's worth it it's all that all there at our fingertips so 
it's it's worth worth the price we pay so we've got some com- we've got some comic picks coming up i've got some dc top picks for the week some things i'm looking forward to shavy d's got some marvel picks so we're going to talk about that right after this we'll be right back All right, welcome back to the Comic Shop Drop, and we have our weekly picks. Now, these picks are going to be for the week of February 3rd, so most of these will drop on the 3rd, and I'm going to hit the DC ones this week. Shavy D will hit the Marvel, and, you know, for me, I'm just getting back into the current stuff. I've been kind of uh, reliant on my DC Universe app um, lately, Um, so the stuff I've been reading has been a little bit behind the times, but I am very excited to jump into Future State, so that's kind of the big releases. Uh, Most of the DC stuff you'll see in the the last few weeks and the next coming weeks are going to be the Future State storyline. So the first one I'm taking a look at this week is Future State Superman of Metropolis number two. So, um, you know, obviously going into this new DC storyline where we're jumping into the future a little bit, you know, the first characters I want to cover are Superman and Batman. So that's where I'm going this week. Um, This one's written by Sean Lewis uh, and Brandon Easton with art by Cully Hammer. And basically, Shavy D, what Superman and Metropolis is covering is Jonathan Kent, all grown up, and he's going to be the new Superman now. Um, Exciting. So uh, you and I have read the... uh, Super Sons, you know, we we did on the Back Issues podcast, talked about Super Sons and stuff. So it's going to be really cool to see John Kent all grown up and kind of filling his father's shoes. My understanding of this series is that, that uh, you know, Clark is still around somewhere, but I'm not sure, you know, exactly where he figures into this. But in this opening storyline, uh, Jonathan's going up against Brain Cells, who is an offshoot of uh, Brainiac in this world. So it's going to be kind of cool to see uh, this storyline, you know, pushed forward into the future. A lot of these future state characters um, are new characters. So we're going to talk about a couple of those uh, when I talk about the Batman book coming up. But uh I think it's interesting with Superman, they already had, like, even before Future State was a thing, you know, they already had his son established, so it kind of, you know, set the table for, I think, this corner of that universe being a little bit more familiar. I think mostly we're going to see probably Superman characters that that we're already somewhat familiar with, as opposed to, you know, with some of the books where it's like these totally new versions of the characters. Um, But I'm pretty pumped about this one. Yeah, that's uh, I'm super excited. I, I'm a huge, huge fan of Super Sons, and I like the idea of Jonathan. You know, it's uh, uh, Clark is such a great character because of obviously being raised by the Kents and you know developing the moral character that he did, and and him, which allows him to be the you know, the Superman that we, we know and love. And the idea that that was, you know, eventually as he got older, you know, he gained access uh, through the crystals to, to, to some, uh, you know, some of the wisdom of uh, Jarrell and, you know, Kryptonian technology and, and science and so on and so forth. But now 
you know, still ultimately him piecing things together. Whereas Jonathan Kent, you know, his upbringing is with the father present, you know, with Clark actually in his life. So where that puts him when it's time for him to to step out into the world and and be the actual, you know, Superman for the, you know, for the world and potentially the universe, uh, you know, that's awesome because I, everything I've, I've read and I've seen so far with the Jonathan Kent character, um, I've just really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed the places they've taken him and to imagine him as a, and an adult and actively protecting metropolis and 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 beyond uh that's that's awesome yeah yeah so i'm pumped for uh future state superman and metropolis number two and then you know swing back around and grab number one uh as well and then get current on those and then um the other one that's coming out is uh issue number three of future state the next batman so this one's going to be interesting. I haven't read any of these yet, but, uh, you know, so basically in future state, kind of the state of Gotham city is, um, a private security firm, like a private police force called the magistrate has essentially taken over, um, Gotham city, you know, in place of the GCPD. And, you know, there's all these laws about, uh, you know, masked vigilantes and stuff like that. So it's kind of, you know, created this situation where a new Batman comes in. Um, it's actually Lucius Fox's son, but not, um, it's not Luke who we've seen in the past. This one, this one's, uh, Tim Fox, who has been like the estranged son who's now coming back to Gotham and, and kind of taking over as, you know, it seems like, uh, like kind of an old school kind of Batman suit. So I'm not really sure how he acquires this and, and comes into this role. But, um, you know, obviously in any kind of new version of the DC universe, you know, the, the, the first place to start is going to have to be Batman. Yeah. I, uh, I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to this one as well. Um, in, in certain ways, every hero is irreplaceable by another person. Because, you know, we as individuals, whether we're normal human beings or superheroes, you know, we're the sum total of our experiences, as well as, you know, the physical attributes that, uh, you know, allow us to do what we do. So therefore, you know, there can really never be another Superman, another Batman, another Wonder Woman. There can be, you know, another Kryptonian or in this case, a half Kryptonian, half human, there can be someone that is a, you know, crime fighter that believes in justice that, uh, you know, uses fear in the shadows to, to intimidate the criminal element. Uh, you know, there can be a woman born of, you know, Amazonian descent, uh, you know, whatever, you know, there's, there's, you know, in many ways, you know, so many of these things, you know, could be, or really are something different than, you know, than the other things were. But at the same time, you know, I like the idea of playing with, you know, symbolism or, you know, what, you know, people's interpretation or their feelings on other stuff. So like, you know, um, 
you know, how the world would react to a world that knew a Superman and then all of a sudden was denied a Superman, how much they would really want it, need it. So like the, you know, that could be a, a, a story arc for, a, uh, you know, for a Jonathan Kent Superman. But then also I love the idea of a Batman, not only because he's a, you know, a man of color, you know, a, a African-American Batman, but because, you know, I don't know, because I think at this point, not only is Batman dead, but Alfred might be, you know, I think every, I think both of them are dead, but I believe Lucius Fox I, I is think, still alive. I think Bruce Wayne is just presumed dead. Okay. but I, I think he's working behind the scenes in some capacity. But Alfred has passed away, and Lucius Fox is still alive, I, I believe. I think so, yeah. Okay. So. I'm going to report back next week after I've read all these and gotten caught up. Okay, perfect. But my understanding is is that when Batman was a, a assumed dead, that his fortune or Bruce Wayne, you know, obviously in, in concert with Batman, uh, that his fortune, you know, with Alfred no longer around, it went to the to the Fox family. Hmm. So they have the means and the you know they can fu- he can fully be the Batman that we know other than the fact right. that, you know, he's not, you know, obviously Bruce Wayne is unique because he has the, well, at a minimum and at a, the minimum and everything you talked memory, about but, before, everything that's made him what he is. Correct. There, there's factors that just will never be the same, but I think that, that, you know, the, the Fox family on all levels have established that they are, you know, world-class intellects. They're, 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 integrity is beyond reproach you know there's there they've they've been part of the bat family already and you know over time you know and again i'm i'm guessing at all this stuff i've not read any of this stuff or even even um you know previews but um you know over time within the bat family obviously you know nightwing is is a fully established hero in his own right true true of both uh you know red hood and red robin and then damien we knew was going to eventually be whatever he's going to be you know other than robin so in 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 so many ways it makes more sense for for someone outside of that most inner circle to assume the mantle of batman versus one of his direct proteges so yeah. So anyway, so you know, I don't want to monopolize this con- completely, but I- I'm, you know, how guarded I am of Batman and how, you know, he, it's such a character that can can, if it's done right, can be magnificent. If it's done wrong and can easily be done wrong, it's it's awful. And this one, I really think has a lot of potential. So I'm I'm very excited. And I really hope they do it the right way. Yeah, yeah. I agree with what you said. You make a good point, too, because I, I, I'd never liked the assumption that, uh, you know, Dick Grayson would, would someday just assume the role of, of Batman because he has become his own, you know, kind of hero in his own right and everything. So, you know, I, I agree with you. It should kind of be, be somebody that is their own story like something from scratch you know yeah definitely and and i really like that that tie-in um 
you know, because you could certainly always do, a, you know, some long lost relative of of Bruce himself, or maybe a, a Pennyworth, or a, you know, different things like that. But I just think that the the Foxes have been so. I mean, Lucius Fox has been such a great character in and of himself, and then uh, I think Duke was, was awesome, um, and uh, uh, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm all in. I'm I'm all in on this. I, I know very little. I'm just dipping my toe into the waters on this future state, but um, but I'm. I'm I'm willing to give them uh, I'm willing to give them the rope to hang themselves with, as they say. I was gonna say if you know if I may speak frankly, I'm relieved to hear you so like optimistic about it because you know like I know that you don't like you know people messing with your characters and stuff. So you know I was a little concerned about a whole kind of storyline you know whole dc universe wide storyline where every character is going to get messed with and you know jacked around a little bit and updated so uh well yeah i feel good about that (laughs) yes and you touch on a good point because i think that's part of why i'm able to embrace it is because it's such a giant change versus some little nipping at the corners you know a little tweak here and there it's a really you know uh, uh, certainly not a wholesale change, but 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 you know a, a, a somewhat unexpected and unique direction, but a direction that is, you know, there's been a lot of missteps over the years when they restart, you know, and and DC in particular has had some has had some true missteps, uh, but this one just seems so out there in a fresh and exciting way that I'm willing to give it a complete, a complete chance until, until I'm convinced otherwise, because, you know, you know, unfortunately we live in a time where so much stuff, which one of the books I'll bring up, there's, you know, we'll touch on this subject, but there's so much stuff that's, you know, just for lack of a better term, just being forced in such a, 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 a unnatural way that that I, I think that this is one of those things that could really step towards inclusion in, in, a, in a natural and organic way if it's done right. Like nothing I've heard so far has been like cringeworthy where I've been like, ooh, you know, you're a... Yeah, you know they've not yeah. done, they've not done it like a, you know I call it a Brie Larson, like she to me like epitomizes like just the a, a a talentless or meaningless thing being shoved down the throats <laughs> of people. You might want to cut that yeah. out. That's pretty mean. But, uh, <laughs> but I. Uh, you know. In case Bree's listening, <laughs> there's—I mean, there's certainly other examples I could give. She's not the only one, but there's, <laughs> but there's, you know, there's people that are people, and, and it's not just people. There's also show, you know, shows or movies as a whole, as well as just even different forays into it. 
you know, within a movie or a, or a television show, but right. the, just the idea of, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, again, I, you know, I don't want to go too far because, because again, I, I'm also a believer in extreme believer in creativity and artistic license. And, you know, people are entitled to missteps and poor choices and, you know, not everything has to be a masterpiece. So, you know, I don't want to be real judgy either, but at the same time, you know, we kind of all know what I'm hinting at. So yeah, we'll just understood. So anyway, go ahead. Um, so my, uh, third pick for this week, you know, going off of the future state, uh, for a little bit, um, is there's a new man bat series starting. So we got man bat number one, um, written by Dave Wheelghost and, uh, art by summit Kumar. Um, this looks very cool. It looks like basically a straight up kind of horror comic book. Basically the, you know, I've Ooh. always liked. I've always liked Man Bat because I've always liked kind of the that uh, you know Jekyll and Hyde struggle, and you know this is a guy who's you know basically tries to do the right thing, but he just has this you know thing that has control over him or whatever. Um, but in you know basically the premise of this book is that you know something happens where he's finally hit rock bottom and just is going to take it out on Gotham City. You know, so it's basically mm. just, uh, you know, like even the cover, it says his murder, murderous meltdown begins here. Um, uh, looks sweet. I mean, from from <laughs> right. the uh, preview stills and stuff, the, the art looks amazing. Um, so I'm excited for this one. Get to see some. I always like when they do something that, you know, basically is the, you know, from the villain's point of view, you know. Yes, I, I definitely like enjoy those. And uh and if you set it in Gotham City, you know, you're even that much further ahead because it's just a, a great backdrop for, you know, you don't necessarily need Batman to have a good Gotham City comic book. Right. Gotham lends to like a good gothic tale of of horror or, or yeah, it's it's I'm down. I, I may. Well, I remember a. In the 70s, a particular, it might have even been one of those, like, read-along albums, but for sure it was a comic book of some kind that I had that was uh, a just classic, um, it was a a two-story comic, and it was Batman, Man Bat, and it was a heavy horror slant on that one. And the second yeah. one was another one that was a, a swamp thing with more of a heavy horror slant with Batman, oh, nice. with a Batman tie-in, and uh, you know, and I just remember getting so much mileage out of that as a kid, and uh, yeah, I think that they don't do it enough. I mean, I, I was pretty impressed with, uh, you know, with them starting to try to incorporate more of the Justice League Dark, and then you know that kind of stuff, you know, back and and. and breathe some life back into uh i mean both dc and marvel really both have a pretty good horror tradition so uh so i like the idea of that at at, at um you know I, I i like the idea of that and then you couple that with the fact of the man bad is a good character especially in gotham so it's uh yeah i'm down i, I definitely would uh 
be on board with that. All right, so uh, let's swing over to the uh, Marvel side of things and uh, tell us what you got this week, Shavy D. All right, well, quick disclaimer: I uh, unfortunately, it's you know, now that I've heard how you're approaching it, I will have to, and I and I kind of assumed that this was going to be the case, but again, you know, we're a work in progress a little bit, but uh, I I don't have the actual authors, the writers, or the artists on these titles. Um, oh, that's all right. Maybe maybe I can uh, interject for you if need be. But uh, okay, great. If you no if you're worries. if you're able to on the fly, that would be wonderful. And uh, for the most part, I went out my with my picks as I often do. You know, I'm so just you know what transports me as much as anything with a good comic book is the art. And uh, you know, and uh, so somewhat. Uh, the art style of these books in particular um, really, you know, made the, the, the choice, the, the choices pretty easy, but I actually, uh, it's two number ones and a number two. And I, uh, I'm excited to try to jump on board with all three of these, you know, cause they're obviously early on. Um, but then obviously individually, I'm, I'll, we'll get to, you know, what resonated with me, but, uh, so here we go. So the um, all right. So basically, the first one I chose was uh, the Legend of Shang Chi, number one. Okay. And the reason I chose that is a, like I said, I really uh, well. First of all, that one I do. Uh, unfortunately, I don't remember the name, but I I, I believe it was a female writer, which it was. Uh, I, I like the idea of of uh, you know a woman's take on martial arts, you know, in that kind of okay. genre. Um, but the art I really liked. It looked uh, looked great, uh, very colorful. The colors were looking good. Uh, but basically, the reason I chose this one was because uh, with the MCU kind of now uh, getting you know cranking back up, um, and with Kevin Feige being kind of the I, I believe I don't know his exact title, but something like chief creative officer or something like that. Where, but I, my understanding is is that he has some say in Marvel, basically across the board, and that includes at the comic level. So, oh, interesting. Now, I, I you know again, this is kind of a word of mouth. I've heard this. I don't know that this is an actual fact. So, quick disclaimer. But again, the guy's kind of taken on this, you know, maestro type of role, and it, and has produced. I mean, let's be honest. So it it certainly wouldn't shock me. I mean, for goodness sakes, from my my understanding, the early machinations of his uh, Star Wars movie are in the works. So like, you know, the dude is on fire and and remains so. But anyway, so to get back to my point. If this is true, and he is now this kind of chief creative officer over the whole Marvel universe, if you will, um, this being a number one of a comic that's a movie that's in process, that's going to be one that's released in the MCU, I want to see what kind of synergy they have with story and you know uh 
kind of the sanctity of the of the comic story versus the you know setting something up for the movie coming out if you will right so that's what really interests me about that is just the idea of i mean in in lay terms i ba- I, I i guess what i'm trying to say is you know now that the movies have become such a money maker and that you know early results from some of the streaming stuff uh you know, episodic streaming stuff has been really positive as well. You know, is that now going to take center stage and start affecting the creativity of the books themselves? I mean, the books over the last, you know, 80 plus years have established an amazing universe of characters and worlds that the movies have reaped this huge creative and financial benefit from. And because unfortunately anything that's that successful becomes corporatized, you know, my interfere as a fanboy is how much does then that creep come and then start affecting the creativity in the books themselves. And what I'm going to look for in this Legend of Shang-Chi is just how that synergy is going to work out. And, you know, again, I have every reason to be very, um, very excited and and, 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 uh, very positive because, you know, the one thing that Kevin Feige seems to be uh, very good at is putting the right people in the right places. And, you know, let's just hope that if he is a decision maker on this level, that, you know, it's uh, it's going to hold true for the books as well. But anyway, uh, any thoughts? Any? Um, no, that sounds like a good one. I, I did look. It's uh, the writer is Alyssa Wong and the artist is Andy Tong. So it looks like uh, fem- female creators on both sides of that. So that's. Oh, nice. Good. Well, very good. OK, well, uh. I, I kind of I think I covered everything with that one. So let's move on to the next one. Um, it was uh, it, King in Black Marauders number one. And uh, what jumped out on me with this one is, uh, and I don't have the exact description in front of me, but it was basically uh, the character. Uh, it said Red Queen Kate Pride. Um. Is basically, uh, I don't know how much of a X Men fan you, you were, or how much knowledge you have of those characters, but uh, Sha- I know Kitty Pride. Okay, so Kitty Pride is, um, you know, not, not only is she Shadow Cat as far as her powers, but she was always, um, you know, always, especially in the comics, but even in a little bit of the animation at least some of them. Um, She was always the one that was kind of being groomed by Xavier to be the, you know, she was the kind of the master tactician. And then she also was, uh, you know, had a special bond with Logan. So he really took her under her wing, took her under his wing as far as really with the martial arts and the, you know, the fight training. So like in later books, you know, when she's a full, you know, when she's a woman, 
and she's going out, you know, she's often the leader of individual teams and different things like that. So a couple months back, or a little longer than that, like a year or so ago, um, you remember how they, uh, I'm sure you know that they, they kind of stopped all of the X-Men lines and kind of restarted them with the, uh, oh my word, it's escaping me right now, but the... The two they had two books that kind of reset the X Men universe. Part of it was, from my understanding, I I wasn't current on the books at the time, but it was getting a little convoluted. But also, it was a a bit of a preparation for, you know, obviously, you know, Marvel Comics coming under the umbrella of you know Marvel Entertainment under Disney and stuff. So, um, but it was it's uh. You know, I've heard really good things about the direction they're starting to take the X Men and the and that that portion of the Marvel universe. So, I chose this book because obviously, as a number one, I can I can jump in fresh. But, uh, you know, if this Kate Pride is basically the new Kitty Pride, um, th- to me, that's a great character to kind of step into her shadow and then that gives you a nice uh viewpoint f- to to check out the rest of the the uh you know the X-Men and the and and again that portion of the Marvel universe so so that was that one any any thoughts All any right. any Oh th- what is the king? What do you know about the king in black? Because this looks like a tie-in to like a greater storyline. Um, but I'm not familiar with king in black. You know what? I'm not either. And again, that's why I say, um, you know, now that we've chosen to kind of uh, to get back with the with the current titles, um, it's going to take a little future research. But I think. Uh, um, yeah, because just looking at at the list here, it looks like there's several tie-ins that sound pretty sweet. There's like a Gwenum versus Carnage tie-in to King in Black, a Black Knight tie-in. So it looks like must be uh, something of some scope over there, at least. Yeah, and I'm hoping that there's somewhat of a level of, um, you know, and again, like I, earlier in the program, I kind of said that I, I'm not one that wants it... Uh, you know, to continuously be rebooting lines and, you know, and, you know, that can run into a lot of troubles, but if it's done the right way, it can be all right. So, um, I don't know if this is just an event that's just, you know, incorporating a lot of the Marvel universe, or if it's one of those events, you know, I mean, obviously not probably as extreme as a future state, but something similar where it's, uh, you know, it's, it's resetting some things. So, so I'm not sure, but nice. by but by uh, by the next time we speak next week, I will uh, I will definitely know. I'll have an answer for you. Awesome. What else you got? All right, and last but certainly not least is Star Wars High Republic number two, and this is the one I thought in particular, you know that we could discuss in concept more so than even in content. Um, you know, as you know, I'm a, uh, 
huge fan of Star Wars. Um, Marvel has always done a great job with with any, really any of the Star Wars that they've done. Um, you know, and they've had, I think, like seven or eight of them, different series that they've run over the years. Um, but obviously, you know, a lot of people know about kind of the controversy with the High Republic and this, that, and the other. And as someone who is a diehard lover of the, you know, original trilogy and, you know, is, uh, you know, wants to see Luke as a, you know, respectable Jedi master and so on and so forth. Um, as you know, personally, you know, about a year before they announced High Republic, I had started to write a story that revolved uh, around a group of Jedi, you know, roughly 200 years before uh, the Skywalker trilogy, or excuse me, Skywalker saga. So when I heard the news of High Republic, I was very interested and was very excited to see what they could do with it. I mean, it's very different from every indication I've had so far as far as, you know, my thought process of where I wanted to go with something or am going, you know, I still am going to finish. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, the, uh, the idea of that time period in the Jedi Council and the Jedi Order is very exciting and has a lot of potential. And my thought process of wanting to jump in with this one is even if it fails and I have to stop, I just don't want to go... I think so often in, and especially in, in, you know, in the comic book culture with, within, I think even within the comic book culture or pop culture in general, sometimes, you know, people are very apt to, uh, you know, knock down what they don't like. I, I have no problem ever with people being excited with the things that they like, but you know, it's kind of a bummer to, you know, when people are always negative and, and again, you know me, I mean, if, if I don't like something, I will definitely rip it. I will definitely, you know, give my, you know, un, unfiltered opinion. But having said that, like, you know, with, with Star Wars, with where we're at right now with Star Wars and, and, you know, the kind of the good, the bad and the ugly of it, like, I really want to jump in with this series early where I can get a taste for it. And if it's as awful as some people say, so be it. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll put it back down. If it's as good as it has the potential of being, then, you know, again, Star Wars and Marvel have had a, have had a wonderful relationship through the years. And I'm hoping against hope that this is not, uh, you know, as, uh, as as bad as some have said so uh, yeah i i love I, I love the idea of a new star wars comic book for marvel so and this one takes place in in what era would that be then 
I mean, it's High Republic, but like, where is that in the timeline? It's 200 years before the Skywalker saga, and it's basically okay. like the height of their power. It's it's the Jedi at their apex. Um, you know, and as you know, the you know my story is uh, you know is more. Um, Well, I don't want to give anything away, so because one day people will hear my story, so I I don't want to <laughs> I, I, I I don't yeah. I don't I want to allude to it, but basically, you know, to 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 cut to the chase, there's been accusations of a lot of SJW type of stuff in this new series, and you know, unfortunately, in the comic book culture. When someone doesn't like something, they can, you know, shit all over it when that's not deserved. Like something cannot be good and it doesn't mean it's has an agenda or it has this, that, and the other. So I guess my big thing with this High Republic is people seem to be so, you know, um, extremely opinionated on each side of it that I just want to get into it early and and uh, get a taste for it one way or the other before my opinion is too uh, too tainted by the uh, by the, the the you know people yelling fire if you will yeah so I I think we put out some pretty uh, solid options for this coming week I mean I, I'm gonna try to get to the local comic shop here. Um, I think it's important if possible if we can support those guys a little bit, you know, especially during the pandemic. but uh, you know if you can't do that, I think there's digital versions of all of this stuff. so you know definitely dip in, grab some of these, you know, comment in the comment sections, tell us what you thought of any of these that you read and uh, you know we'll we'll be around next week to to uh, you know talk about the next week of of new releases. There's so many great and classic uh, comics out there, and there's just so much good quality superhero content that's coming out in streaming services. And uh... starting next week, we'll we'll also make some weekly recommendations for um, some archival stuff that you can check out on the DC Universe app as well as the Marvel Unlimited app. Yes, we will. So until then, thanks for listening. Come back next week for our comic shop drop and also check in in the back issues feed um, for our deep dives on some of the classic greatest comic book stories of all time. So until next time, my name's Toby. I'm Shavy D. See you next week.